History Makers with Matt Prater. Coming off of drugs, you're going to have emotional problems, but I kept chasing after God. And he's using this vehicle to bring people out of the dark into the light. And I went forward and I knelt at the front, and it was a radical conversion experience. And that's where the big change happened, and that's where we decided we're going to use our music for God, we're going to change our songs. When I was about 25 year old, I was uh, busted and into jail, and it was there that I came to the Lord. History Makers with Matt Prater. Yeah, Steve McKenney here, the uh, producer of History Makers, filling in for Matt this week and joining me on the line all the way from Dakar in Senegal on board the Mercy ship, the African Mercy, is the hospital director of that ship, Karen Furmeister. G'day, Karen. Hello. Nice to talk to you finally. Now, Karen, you're the hospital director of the African Mercy the Mercy Ship, which is currently in dock there in Dakar in Senegal. And we're going to get back to more about that real soon. But first of all, where were you born and raised? I hear hint of an Australian accent, is that right? <laughs> There's definitely an Aussie accent there, yes. I was um, born and raised around Melbourne. Um, started off in Broadmeadows, which is um, in the western suburbs of Melbourne, and then... A broady girl. Yes, I am. <laughs> I, I Don't hold that against me. I grew up around that area um, up until about the age of 11, um, and then I moved um, to about four hours from Melbourne um, with my parents to a Christian campsite. So um, it was around the Victorian, um, both the Melbourne city area and... Um, regional Victoria. Now you mentioned there that part of your upbringing was in a Christian camp. I assume by that you were brought up in a Christian home. Yeah, I um, I was very privileged and blessed to have um, both sides of my um, family, both my mum and dad um, are both in Christian immediate families, but um, back in our, um, my grandparents, etc., we had um, some missionaries um, in Papua New Guinea and central kind of outback Australia um, and they really gave me a good generational boost Um, but we also had some family members who weren't Christians either so. So you had a Christian upbringing just curious what church or denomination were you part of growing up? Well that's a really interesting question I've pretty much nearly been to all denominations I would just about say or mainstream ones anyway so I've got been everywhere from high Anglican to um, Pentecostal so and everywhere in between. (laughs) Well there you go I think there's a few of us around that have been in the same boat there. (laughs) Now your early studies your schooling now, did you initially set out to become a hospital director of uh, of a uh, mission ship? What was your early schooling like? Well, actually, um, all the way through school, I was actually um, a homeschooling kid, even though um, don't hold that against me either. But um, I really had a start. My parents were both um, teachers, so they gave me a, a good leg up with that. Um, and we started off one year at a time, and I ended up, you know, my entire school um period later I was um, yeah taught at home that whole time and then I went to university um, and I ended up going and um, to to uni and I did um, dietetics so I'm actually a dietitian by profession um, which is an interesting like segue into um, what I'm doing now but um, I also did exercise science so 
it was a couple of different different degrees to get to where I am now. Okay, better hide the slice of pizza that I'm having for breakfast. <laughs> That's not at all what I had for breakfast, of course. We talked about your uh, touched on your faith journey a little bit before. Well, I'm just curious. When did the big life change happen for you? I mean, you were brought up as a Christian. But that doesn't make us a Christian being brought up in a Christian home. When did the big life change happen for you? As you said, I grew up with a Christian family, but um, I made a decision for myself when I was nine. Um, I remember being um, in bed one night and I didn't couldn't go to sleep because I just didn't want to wake up or want to go to sleep and not know that I was belonged to Jesus. So um, it was one of those very defining moments. I still remember very clearly that I wanted God to, um, Jesus to be in my heart and to save me. And he has definitely done that. Yeah. Now that's quite a young age. Now, uh, did you, even at that age, did you notice any uh, change in your life, any change in your attitudes in how you were as a child? becoming a Christian? Um, yeah, I would say so. I think as as we all grow in faith, at the start it's a childlike faith, but I very much remember the peace that he gave me and continues to give me. But it was something really noticeable as a, as a child, especially if things I was fearful of things or was worried about things. That was something that really um, changed my um, perception and reality of how I dealt with things. And I, you know, it's easy to look back in retrospect and say that, but I do remember the peace he gave me very clearly. So, Karen, tell us about your first job. What did you first do when you left school? Okay, so my first job. I actually had a, a job when I was in school very early where I worked at a childcare centre um, doing catering when I was about eight or nine, but I don't think that's the one you want to hear about. Um, the main one that I had <laughs> had was um, when I first left, um, I was still at school, but I went and um, worked at a Chinese restaurant um, and I was a, a um, waitress there. Um, and then my first professional job was at a di- as a dietitian at a hospital. So I've had a number of jobs, but they were my first couple, depending on which part of my life you want to know about. <laughs> so we move along now and you've finished school, you've had your first job, and then we move along to mission, to where you are now. You went to university and you finished university and you did some nursing and uh, all those sorts of things. And then you end up on board the Mercy Ship. How did it come to pass? How did you end up being on a mission, a permanent, pretty much a permanent mission in Africa for several years now and uh, the hospital director of the African Mercy? How did that all happen? Yeah, really good question. I um. I think first off, before I even got to to Mercy Ships, I um, was involved since about the age of 15. I went on my first um, trip to uh, a developing country um, and went to China and the Philippines. And that really started me off on um, knowing there was a different way that people lived and um, the poverty in the world. And so I, as I developed all through my 20s and university, um, I still, missions did grip me through that time. Um, And to a 
a point I ever wonder whether I would um, and what would happen, but God hadn't um, hadn't created a path for me quite yet. But um, then back in um, 2019, he um, really did change the traje- trajectory of my life in order to be able to line me up to come to Mercy Ships. Um, and I found out about it via my parents who thought they would like to actually volunteer, but it didn't work out for them, but it did work out for me. <laughs> now they've got their daughter living overseas. So I think um, in some ways it may have backfired slightly, but um, they lost me to coming to, to Africa and I've been um, back and forth between Australia and Africa since 2019 now. So There you go. So you are on board, of course, the African Mercy, a, a, a hospital ship. And I, I do have to ask the question, do you get seasick? <laughs> Good question. Actually, no, which I, it's a blessing because there's a few people on here that turn very green. Oh, I'd be absolutely hopeless. I just look at the bathwater and I, I tend to feel a little bit green. So uh, the, the ocean's certainly not my forte. Although I think it's an amazing ministry. And if I was a tad younger, maybe I'd certainly be, it'd certainly be something that would interest me uh, in doing. Now, Karen, tell us a little bit about the Mercy Ships. So the Mercy Ships story where um, in terms of the ships, we've had a number of ships, but they were quite small and we've been around for over 40 years. And there was a founder who was very visionary in that he wanted to bring hospital ships um, to to Africa and specifically West Africa, um, mainly because a lot of the population ne- live very close or within about um, 180 to 200 kilometres from the, the coast. And so bringing a ship means that we can bring hospital facilities to those that need it most. And that was his vision. And we now, just as of last week, have a new ship on board too. So we now have two ship fleet yeah, I saw that, and that ship looks absolutely massive. <laughs> Definitely is. It's huge, and it's right next to us in the port at the moment. So Now, it's an amazing ministry, and you have volunteers from all over the world. So how many volunteers do you have on board the African Mercy at any given time? So um, at the moment, because of COVID, we have around 320 to 350 um, volunteers, um, but it, it can house up to around 420 um, as normal at number of crew. Now, to run a boat like this, a ship like this, is like running a little town. And, um, you know, we're not talking a little rowboat here. We're talking a big ship. And so it takes everything from... The hospital director to the, sh- the the captain of the ship to the cleaners to surgeons to to teachers you know, there's cooks and cleaners and um, all sorts of things everything you can imagine to run well not just a ship it's like a little town um, you know maybe maybe even a jailer have you got a jail on board they wouldn't have a jail on board the ship surely well we actually have a jail even after all that <laughs> well there you go I'm, I'm assuming it doesn't get used very often at least no no well there you go there's even a jail on board the African Mercy it'd be a boring job I think there wouldn't be a lot of action happening in that jail on board uh, a mission ship that's for sure I wouldn't think so anyway but hey, you've got to be prepared. Yeah. The point is, of course, it takes all sorts of people to run the hospital ship, not just hospital staff, not just doctors and nurses. Well, of course, that's, they're vital. It takes all sorts of people from all walks of life, from all over the world, to run the African Mercy and, of course, her sister ships. That is my point. Now, I'm sure there's other people 
not on board the ship that go towards running of this mission and this ship as well. So we have the whole team on board the ship and as you said they're very varied in um, in their backgrounds and what they volunteer to do um, but we also have teams that are off ship that um, we have at a couple of off-site places but also run programs in local hospitals and things as well. Um, so there's quite a big band of us doing all sorts of things. Yeah and the one thing I've noticed is not only do you take this ship into nations where you you know provide the service on the boat you also go into the nation and help the nations help these countries help these cities with their own hospital with training with uh, equipping of the staff in the hospital in like in this instance in Dakar in Senegal and in, in doing so, you're helping to train these hospitals how to deal with these patients once the African Mercy pulls up the anchor and uh, leaves town. And that's one of the really amazing things about Mercy Ships is we're not just here just to provide free healthcare. It's also about um, providing something that can be sustainable and strengthen health services um, after we leave. And so that for us is called medical capacity building. But what that means is that we just help to strengthen um, and go into the local health system um, and help to kind of raise the standard and partner with them in improving the, the facilities and the services they provide. So that's a really exciting part of what we do that is not just the ship part. So you're the hospital director. So where did you start when you first went over to the African Mercy and uh, jumped on board the boat. Did you start off as uh, hospital director or did you start off in a different role? Well, I actually started um, at, in human resources um, and I've had a bit of a background in that. So I started there as well. Um, and then wasn't soon after that I jumped over to be working in the hospital. Um, and that's actually based a bit more on what my um, career and background has been. So that's more my, um, my sweet spot, actually. <laughs> Now, before I let you go, I'd love to know what the gospel means to you. There may be people listening in who are unsaved and uh, and would like to get to know the Saviour for themselves. They may have heard part of your story and how he has changed your life. Could you please share the gospel with our listeners? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question because I think from a personal perspective, what it means to me is that, you know, I believe that um, the Bible is true and that God created the world. And then um, because we really had lost our way in the world and me especially, <laughs> um, that he sent his son to die for us. And when we say that, it kind of sounds like it's really far away. But when you think of a, a dad sending his very precious child to the world, for all these people that didn't really even believe he existed and then decided to to let him die um, just so that we were able to to have what we would call eternal life but that's life forever so that we don't actually um, we don't actually die and so from that perspective for me it's believing that Jesus and God are who they say they are and that I don't have to live in fear or um, without peace because I have certainty in my life and that is where um, I really have relied on that for my, my whole life really that um, Jesus is who he says he is and he's now my friend um, and when I say my friend it means it's the, the person um, who helps me through 
my every day and he also because um, he ended up after dying he came back to life and then went back to heaven and he's there now but that he sent a very special messenger the holy spirit to live within us and when we say that that means that i have a counselor that's with me every single minute of every single day to help me with every single thing and i think that's the personal part of our my christian faith that is really special to me is that i not only have a father in god I have a um, Jesus who died for me and then I have the Holy Spirit who lives within me and it means that really I have um, have certainty in my life and hope and a way forward that I would never otherwise have without um, without Jesus and my faith and that is really what keeps me going every day I I really don't know how I would do what I'm doing now or anything without that and I know that every day I wake up and I carry hope within me and um, and that's kind of what got me to Mercy Ships in the first place. So um, it really is for me such a, a personal thing but something that um, has really given me certainty in my life. So, yeah, that's the gospel story to me. Thank you so much, Karen. That is absolutely fantastic. And uh, Karen Furmeister, the hospital director on board the African Mercy, the Mercy Ship, over there, now in Dock, in Dakar, in Senegal, myself and I think all our listeners think you are a history maker. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. There you'll also find links to all of our social media channels and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater and my challenge to you now is to go and make history.